0: One of the most important facets of any business is customer service. In business, you are not only selling a product or a service, but an experience. Providing exceptional customer service and developing real relationships with your clients means increased sales, retained customers, new customers via word of mouth, and a positive, positive reputation. You're listening to the Focus on Customer Experience Podcast. 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 Benjamin Del Grosso gives you the ins and outs of one of the most underlooked aspects in business today. Improve your customer service and watch your business skyrocket. Two, one. Here's your host, Benjamin Del Grosso.
1: Hello and welcome to the show. Today we have Hank. Hank is joining us. He's a customer transformation expert. Did I say that correctly? Customer service transformation expert. Anyways, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, you know, where you're from, what you do and...
2: Yeah, thanks Benjamin. Uh, great to be on the podcast. Uh, so my name is Hank Ebeling. I'm the owner of two small group personal training studios. Uh, we're based out of the suburbs of Chicago and uh, we've been around since 2013 trying to change people's lives, get them in the best shape possible and give them the utmost experience and deliver them outstanding service while we do it.
1: That's awesome. Um, what uh, What kind of different things are you, are you doing in your business to, I guess, separate yourself from somebody else from other businesses?
2: Yeah. So for, I mean, in our industry, you know, we're fitness and what we try to do is have enough touch points outside of our one hour with our clients. So we can give them a great workout. We can give them advice. We can motivate them in that hour, but they spend a lot more time outside of our four walls. So how can we not physically touch them, but have touch points outside that gym, you know, stay top of mind, give them value when they're not with us. So what we try to do is uh, what we call our surprise and delight budget, borrowed this from Ritz Carlton. I know we spoke a little bit prior to this and essentially every month we have a budget to spend. For us, it's $250. That's the average uh, our client spends a month. And we have to spend it each month surprising, delighting our customers. So it could be anywhere from something, maybe on a sad note, somebody had a death and we send them flowers. It could be somebody finished a marathon and we send them a little gift, a card telling them congrats, you know, super proud of you, something along those lines. It could be as simple as uh, we've had clients come in, in particular, one woman, she came in, not herself was having a rough morning. She didn't have her coffee. Her day was a disaster. And she was one of those, like, if I don't have my coffee, it's over, it's done. Right. <laughs> and so we ended up getting her, her favorite drink from Starbucks and had it ready for her by the end of the workout. Cause we knew that $3 cup of coffee made the difference in her full day. So uh, just little things like that, try to create these little memorable moments and get as many touch points outside the gym as we can. Uh, consistently, and we kind of create a systematic approach for that.
1: Yeah, that's that's great because I mean, you know, a lot of that stuff is missing nowadays, right? Like we forget about those little things, and a lot of businesses look at it as an expense. So, for instance. You know, one of the jobs I used to work at, every time someone had a birthday, we used to have like a birthday cake, you know, you know, make the, you make the employees feel good, let them know that we knew it was their birthday. And it was, you know, and some people don't think it's a big deal, but it was a big deal. We'd have, you know, a Christmas party every single year, we'd have a summer party every year. And then we had a new controller come in and he kind of looked at it and like, you know, we could save, you know, a hundred thousand plus a year getting rid of all these things you know we'd even have like you know there'd be lunches bought like pizza parties and stuff like that for the staff you know like hey if you hit this such and such goal we'll buy pizza for the staff and it started turning into you know you're spending about 300 dollars on food you know every single month on all these little pizza parties and lunches and stuff like that and it started turning into all these little nickel and diming, and the culture started going away because it was like a family-run business. They always wanted to run it like a family-run business, even though there was ten owners. They really wanted to have that family feel that we care about you. Uh, we, you know, we know it's your birthday. A lot of times, one of the owners would come by and say happy birthday to you on your birthday, and a lot of that stuff really changed. It, it you know, and you know because everybody looked at it as. Oh, buying that coffee is a $3 expense, right? Oh, that hiring another employee, that's an expense. Instead of saying hiring that extra employee so we can offer better customer service to our customers, which will then allow us to grow our business, they weren't looking at that. They looked at it as all as an expense. The whole mindset, the whole way they were looking, things changed. So
2: Yeah. And I think I would even touch on that. I mean, I think that's why so many small businesses now are struggling to find employees. I mean, the pool is smaller, but a lot of uh, businesses just didn't have the right culture. They didn't treat people right. So, I mean, essentially, what did everyone say? Well, why should I go make $10 an hour to go get treated like garbage or to not be in a positive experience? So everything you're talking about, it comes to bite you in multiple ways as a business owner. If you don't, take care of that internal culture
1: oh yeah that's i mean i watched i was there through a lot of this too so you start seeing a lot of your long-term employees start leaving and moving on to different industries you know and i mean we also you, so like we like talking a lot about taking care of your team your employees and also taking care of your customers right so the other thing is is like what are you doing to, you know, you're talking about flowers, right? They used to send flowers to somebody when they had a baby, right? All those little things, right? So I think it's great that you're doing stuff like that in your business. I think that's, that's awesome because that's game changer. That's how you make people feel, feel great coming there and supporting your business, right?
2: Yeah. You always want to make them feel better on the way out than they came on the way in. So that's always our goal. How can we, boost their mental state once they're on the way out
1: yeah that's great you have any other um different things that you do or um, within your uh, business you know, or
2: from a, uh for our clients we also try to do postcards so so many people don't get real mail anymore and when you do <laughs> it's usually things like bills you know ads things that you don't like but When you're going through your mail and you see something that's handwritten, we talked earlier again about handwritten notes. If you see anything handwritten, especially with your name on it, it always catches your attention. You always pause and you always smile, even if you don't realize it, you know, it makes you feel special. So every week or every other week or so, we write a couple postcards out to clients and it's nothing about sales, Uh, it's just simple things to make their day could say, hey, we've We've missed you. It was great to see you back in the gym. It could say, uh, wow, I was amazed at how, you know, how well you did that workout or I can't believe you lifted this weight or whatever. Just something very simple. And it's personalized. It's handwritten from our whole staff gets involved in it. And you know that when they're getting that, it's creating that little bit of a, you know, happy state for them instead of going through the bills and maybe they're having a crummy day and they just see that little piece of mail with that little note and hopefully can flip that day for them. So that's something we try to do. I'd say about every two weeks or so.
1: Yeah, that's great. I mean, that's uh, i I'm like, I, like I was telling you off the call, I'm sorry, off, off video. We were, I'm part of RT syndicate and I know a bunch of people um, buy stuff from first form that are within the group that I'm in. And they tell me that first form sends them handwritten thank you cards every time they purchase something. And I've seen a whole bunch of people actually share these screenshots or talk to them, talk to me about it on the podcast. And it's pretty cool because it'll, they'll write something about what they were talking about on the phone. They try and make it personalized. So, I mean, I can only imagine, you know, that just shows that, you know, you're being the human element. Instead of just sending something like, Hey, you know, thanks for coming to our training facility. Um, Did you know that if you sign up a friend, you get 10% off on your membership, right? Because if that's all you're sending, it's just the same thing as like having a CRM where you just keep sending an email and a promotional thing of you can get these deals. You can sign up for our weight class. You can, you know, all you're trying to do is get money. But really, if you're just, I guess, serving people and taking care of them and, showing that you care, you know, sooner or later, they're just going to tell their friends, Hey, you know what? This is a place I work out at. This is why I work out there. You know, I was having a bad day and they bought me a coffee. Like, do you even know another gym that's ever done anything like that? You know, they sent me this handwritten note saying, uh, they saw me lift 150 pounds and they know that I was trying to get up there and they've been watching my progress. So they really care about me as a person. And that kind of stuff goes a long way. Why? Because you actually care, (laughs) right? So, you know, this whole world is changing. So many things are getting automated. And like I was telling the guy the other day, I had to wait on hold for an hour and 23 minutes to get through to Air Canada to make a change on the flight. That I didn't even get to make a change on the flight (laughs) after all that. But that's like crazy hold time. I mean, and I think people get blown away when they call my business. Oh, is this Ben? Like the guy on the YouTube videos and everything? Yeah, I'm the guy who also picks up the phone. I'm a one-man business right now. (laughs) Like one-man empire. And I would
2: say to you, when you agree, um, in talking to other business owners, it's amazing how just being uh, responsive when you get incoming calls, emails, texts, that that alone will make you stand out amongst the competition because you take that for granted. But so many businesses just fail at that, right? Maybe they get back to you if you're lucky within 24 hours, but when you're more responsive, it's like people are shocked, which is kind of sad in itself, but oh, just easy yeah. way to stand out. It just be more responsive, like, you know, respect people's time and respect the fact that they're trying to pay you. So why are you not being responsive?
1: I've had some, I've had some interesting times where I've responded to an email 24 hours later, and that's slow for me. Right. And I'm like, Oh man, I can't believe I'm responding 24 hours later. And then I get a, then I get a response of thank you for responding so quickly. And I'm going, what, <laughs> what are the standards out there? Cause like yeah. for me, I'm it's like, crazy. I can't believe cause it'll be like, you know, the business will close at about six o'clock and sometimes something will come through at seven or eight. And usually I would respond to that, but you know, the wife's like, you gotta spend time with the family. So I try and put the phone down right? I'm trying to separate that extra time, but then usually I'll respond first thing in the morning. And I've had times where I forgot, right. Just cause you get busy and up on the road. And then it's like, Oh my God, I can't believe it. I'm not responding till five o'clock when I got back to the office again whoa, uh, I feel so bad. And then people are like, thank you. And then you start realizing that the majority of these businesses aren't even responding, right? They get emails and they're not even responding to customers. They're not even giving them estimates. So the fact that you responded, you're already way ahead of everybody else. And, you know, I always do, because I do those responses, I also always do, uh 24 slash 48 hour follow-up. So I do it depending on when they sent it and when I sent the email, I will do it because sometimes you send an email and I have hyperlinks in it, and sometimes it'll go, you know, to their junk. So I also send them a, a manual email saying, Hey, do you have any questions or concerns regarding the email that I sent you the other day? Because that shouldn't go to junk because it's doesn't have any hyperlinks or anything on it, right? So but that's what I I try and do that to make sure that i'm reaching those people that where you know might have hit their spam filter or something like that right
2: yeah no i totally agree 100 percent. so
1: is there you know i I guess uh (laughs) i'm just thinking like with the whole fitness facility and everything do you have different programs there are you you know do you have like spin class and and uh Like, is it weights and you have like all that kind of stuff, like with instructors? Is it more like a one-on-one training? Is it?
2: Yeah. So everything we do is actually all small group based uh, and it's all with the trainer. So we keep it small group, again, all about the experience. And that allows us to personalize everything a little bit more than you know, 50 people in a workout and good luck if I could talk to you and help this person help that person, it, it, you know, becomes very vanilla. So with a smaller group, we can get more of that intimate conversation, a little more uh, touch on the actual instruction. So that gives us, again, another competitive edge because we can have that one-on-one feel, but in a group setting at a more affordable price than somebody paying a one-on-one trainer.
1: Nice. Oh, that totally makes sense it's it's just a whole everything's just to make it a different experience and one up the game you know a lot of these places you just go in and use the machines and that's it right but then you have to meet with a sales representative for them to close you on the two-year deal of the 50 dollars a month or whatever it ends up being right uh you know i'm kind of curious what is your what is your process like to sign people up and and, and I mean, and I'm, I'm just kind of bringing it up. The reason why is because when, when I used to live in Burlington, Ontario, I was looking to get into a gym. My wife actually decided she was going to go into a gym. And we were looking at, I think, like Good Life Fitness, all these, you know, kind of big boxy companies. And it's like you have to schedule an appointment and then they walk you through the facility. And then it's then their pricing is based off where you live, and what the average person can afford so they don't won't give you a price so it's like they they're um, figuring out okay this person can afford 80 bucks a month so that's what we're going to charge them it's very weird that sounds
2: very shady (laughs) yeah
1: i i didn't really we didn't enjoy the experience we didn't end up actually signing up with anybody because every time you went nobody would give you a price and then it was like they it felt like almost like a timeshare meeting where you you sat in this chair and then they're like, and you get these added benefits and the towels and this and that and blah blah blah, all for eighty-three dollars a month. Because I'm like, oh, okay, but but if I go to Hamilton, how much cheaper is that? And it's you know, you start talking to people you know in Hamilton, and it's you know sixty dollars a month there because you're
2: like, wait a second, <laughs> because
1: the average income is technically lower, right? So it's like what? So we're basing it all on, you know, it's not like the whole province isn't like $50 a month. It's based on income. So if you're living in Toronto, you pay more. It's
0: very weird.
2: That seems like that shouldn't even be allowed. Right. I mean, (laughs) it's
1: their business, right?
2: (laughs) I I mean, I guess you can do whatever you want, but I couldn't imagine uh, saying that to a customer, you know, looking, looking them up and be like, all right, well, I guess they can afford a little bit more here. Let's crank the price on them. Um, No, we don't do anything fancy. We, we do a free trial period so they can come in. We always say, let us earn your business. You know, if the experience isn't what you're looking for, we're not for everybody. So we give them that trial period to see if it's a comfortable fit. And then after that, uh, yeah, then we'll give them the pricing unless they ask upfront, because we kind of want to see what they need. Do they need to come in more often, less often, depending on their goals. Uh, so for us, it's nothing too crazy other than come experience it. If it's a great fit, then you know what? Stick with us. Here's, here's what we offer. And if it's not, what can we help you with? Can we help you find maybe you want to get into yoga instead? Or maybe it's going to be better if you do have a one on one trainer. Um, so we'll kind of help you go in that direction if it doesn't work out.
1: Yeah. So you have a t- couple different uh, options for the client, right? Yeah. And, but yeah, let them experience it, see if it's the culture for them and yeah, kind of move forward. So just kind of curious, like when you look around at the world today, what has stood out to you as the biggest change in how we interact as customers?
2: I think, and you know, we might've touched on it before we jumped on here was, it just seems like there's less human interaction and lots, lots of tech, um, less from the human touch, which I mean, in a way is a good thing. It does make things more efficient and faster in many instances, but I think people still are people and we're human and we want that interaction, especially during the COVID years, which I guess maybe some people say we're still there, but, uh, you know, we had even less of that. It was more isolation. So I think now, and we're seeing a lot in the fitness, people just want that camaraderie back. They want the community back. They want that sense of, um, engagement back. So I think that's kind of what we're missing is getting back to some of that.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, I know the, the gyms, I don't know what's, uh, I know you've said what state you're in, but I don't know how your state was impacted, but I know up here, a lot of the fitness facilities were literally forced to close yeah. for months on end. Yeah. Right. And I know some other people in the, the, the RTA group that have had that had gyms and literally were also forced to close for periods of time. And then, you know they reopened again and they some of them seen you know huge booms in in business and some of them seen you know you know a downfall right just because there's some people that were scared depending on the state and everything like that right so I mean gym's definitely took a beating unfortunately but I know there's a lot of a lot of my friends were the gym helped them uh with like anxiety and with you know it was a place that they could go and take out their 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 stress or whatever right you know Go put in a good workout, you know, press some weights or whatever, right? Because what everybody doesn't remember is, like, we have a space here at our house where we have an elliptical, we have a workout bench, we have some weights, but there's a lot of people that are living in, you know, maybe a thousand square foot little space. They can't fit the, all this fitness stuff in there, right? Right. And, and they need that discipline of going to a gym and having a, a, a safe space to do it. Same as, you know, some people need to have an office to go to the office. They don't want their office at home, right? Because to them, it causes anxiety that now their office is the living room, right? <laughs> so,
2: Yeah, everybody needs, as uh, Starbucks used to say, right, that third place. You need that. You got your home, you got your work, and then you need that third place, whether that's the gym, that's for some people the coffee shop whatever that might be so everyone needs that that space so that's our goal is to be that third spot
1: Oh, yeah. well, that's awesome I'm just thinking here uh, you know is there a book you've read actually you know you wrote a book why don't you talk about the book you wrote that'd be yeah, awesome
2: and I, and I can talk about both of those because I know your first question would be a book a book I'd recommend I'm going to guess Hopefully a lot of people have read this. Uh, We give it to every new employee, which is how to win friends and influence people. Dale Carnegie, some of the most basic old school principles in that book, but they're never going to go out of style, if you will. Um, And a lot of it's what we discuss with our new hires when they're onboarding. And it's just basic things in life that people forget about that are necessary for success. So I'd reference that book. If you haven't read it before, shame on you. Definitely buy it. It's probably going to be 10, $15 book. Go read it once a year, every
1: year. I have to buy then, it.
2: <laughs> that that?
1: I have to buy it. Yeah, you're, probably, well, you're probably the fifth person who told me to read it.
2: <laughs> oh my goodness. Yes. Go read it. And you're going to read it and go, well, this stuff is not mind blowing, but it's like things you need to hear on a consistent basis. Um, which essentially is what customer service is all about, right? Basics, but you just got to hear it and continuously keep it top of mind. Um, And then, yeah, my book's called crushing competition with service. It's all about being competitive, not off price and not about I have a better product or service, but I'm going to give you a better experience. I'm going to give you better service. And it's specifically for small business owners. So how to kind of create that culture, how to hire onboard people to, Match that culture and then how to create systems and strategies to carry on that culture on a regular basis.
1: Yeah, that's that's great. I mean, you know, I being my own business and being in the niche that I'm in, you know, last week I did a four vehicles for one client, right? And he says to me, He goes, Man, your business is amazing. And I go, Oh. Like, you know, and I'm trying to, you know, why is it amazing? He goes, because if I have to take four different cars to a shop, it's going to take me at least a half hour to drive, to drop it off. On top of that, someone else has to come and pick me up because I got work to do during the day. Right. And he goes, so now I have to do that with four different cars, four different appointments, coordination. He goes, you come to me, on top of that, you show me how it works, right? And you're very responsive. This guy was so nice. He was so happy with everything I was doing that he even fed me. <laughs> I've never had a customer feed me. I've had a few people offer, but he was like, I'm just so happy with everything and how easy it is. And they made like lunch for me and everything. And I'm like, okay, so you're, re- you're like making my customer experience good. <laughs> I'm not even buying anything from you. <laughs>
2: Yeah. And I mean, look at everything that you're doing is, is not like mind shattering. It's just, you're, you're doing it and other people are just look at it as, uh, you know, I mean, oh, whatever, I don't need to do that. It's miscellaneous.
1: Yeah, no, because what it is, everybody, you know, wants you to come to the shop, wants you to come to the shop, to get a quote, wants you to come to the shop, to get the install done. Everything is that, but we're in it. I feel we're in a day and age where a lot of people are now you have to, you're going to them. Right and you know cuz amazon i think changed a lot of that with products right you know you you can literally hit that and boom someone shows up the next day with a product with a box in hand right so because of that that's why i kind of said you know what i need to go mobile and go direct to clients go direct to their house or business install it on site show them how it works and especially a lot of people are working from home now so the fact that I can go there, they're they're still working from home, drinking their coffee or whatever. Um, yeah, like there's there's no none of that back and forth at all.
2: You essentially you made their life easier, which is what it's all about, right? Making things easier for the customer, not necessarily for you, but easier for them.
1: Yeah, no i I think that's awesome that you wrote a book, and I mean because that's really what it's all about is showing that you are the professional in the industry, right? That people look, look up to you and see that you're trying to create a positive customer experience for all of your clients. And
2: if you're listening, you know, it doesn't matter, you know, you're in the dash cam business. Someone is a landscaper, someone is a salon owner, a restaurant owner, gym owner, like myself, really doesn't matter. Customer service is universal. The principles are universal. They might be changed according to your industry. But for the most part, it doesn't matter what business you're in. It's important. And the principles stay the same. So, you know, look at our two businesses are completely different. The things we're both talking about, we both can shake our head like, yep, important in my business, important in your business. So you can see it doesn't matter how far apart the industries are. It's still a game changer when you can
1: focus on it. I'm, I was curious about this personally. Um, what have you done with your company culture to create this, this, these kind of, you know, behaviors and this kind of success with the, uh, with your, with your customer service at, at your companies?
2: Yeah. So, you know, all the best businesses in the world when it comes to customer service, Ritz Carlton, Chick-fil-A, Southwest airlines, you name it. Um, they all have, a service vision, right? It's It can be called multiple things, but it's essentially like what your customers, you want them to think about when it comes to your business and service. It could be a phrase, it could be a couple words. So for us, it's care, commitment, community, and that's the driving force, the beacon of light, if you will, uh, how you hire off of that, how you fire off of that, um, and that sets the culture. And then everything you do is based on that. So When you're hiring, do they match your culture and are they people centric, right? And then as you're onboarding them, are you then holding them accountable to those service standards that service vision? So it's just kind of making it a priority as as the leader, because if you don't do it and you don't walk the walk, talk the talk, it doesn't matter then, right? Because they don't see you taking it seriously. So you set the culture and then you hire based off of that. And then you got to keep people accountable based off of that reward the behavior. When you see it, you don't see that proper behavior. Well, then obviously you have to also then hold them accountable from that end of the
1: stick too. Yeah. You said something very important there lead by example, right? And I've worked for so many places where here's our rules and you need to follow them. And then the owner comes in and does his own thing, right? And it and then does the whole do as I say, not as I do, right? And that doesn't go well for company culture. You need to make sure that you lead is lead by example as a leader. It's very important. Otherwise, what will end up happening is things start crumbling because then the employees will start doing exactly what the leader did. And then the leader will get mad. Well, what are they doing? These, these are the rules. But the thing is, if you're as a leader, are not following those rules, and just doing what you want, well, guess what? How can you expect your staff to do what 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 the expectation is, right? Because you're you just keep changing the rules. So that really, there's no structure at the end of the day.
2: Yeah, and I hear small business owners all the time, they'll say, well, you know, my employees don't give great service. And this employee never smiles and this employee that it's like, well, at the end of the day you hired them. So it's your fault and you train them. It's your fault and you've allowed them to behave this way. It doesn't match up with your expectations. So it all comes back to you. There's nowhere else to look for blame other than yourself. So um, you got to sometimes look in the mirror if you're a small business owner and you're not happy with the culture, the customer service, uh, because it's going to start and end with you.
1: Yeah, everything starts and ends with you as the actual, you know, as the leader of the business, right? So when you're hiring somebody, because you talked about how you hire based on the culture. Um, in in uh, Arte, we like to talk about building people. So are you kind of like in that whole thing where you're trying to build, like you bring them in and you teach them everything from the ground up? Or do you try and find someone like, I don't know. You try and find someone with tons of experience and then retrain them into the culture, kind of thing, right?
2: Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, I think uh, in a lot of industries, oftentimes people look for too much of the skills versus the traits. So I know that we can coach anybody up to be a really good trainer, but I can't coach them up to be a good person and care. So I want to make sure you have the traits that match up with our culture. You're naturally a caring person. You're naturally personable. You know, do you feel genuine? Do you, you know, do you not look us in the eye You're looking down, you just kind of feel like you don't have that energy. I wanna make sure you got that and then we can coach you up on the rest. So that's why I'm always looking for those traits first. And I don't care if you were a waitress, and never touch the weight in your life. If you have a passion for it and you're a people first person, it's gonna work out really well. Versus, you could have 20 years of experience, but you're kind of a jerk. It's just not gonna
1: work. You, you know, and being the industry that I came from, we would uh, hire a lot of people based on experience, but we inherited all of their bad habits. And that's because we didn't wanna spend you know, one to three months of training them, right? So instead of wanting to spend that money training them and doing, looking at the long-term investment on how we can be successful long-term and and get them into the company culture and get them growing, instead it was, well, this guy knows how to do it and we can make money now. So it was, you know, it's it's like that Amazon and it's like the Keurig, you know, you put the capsule in and you have instant coffee right now, right? and that's kind of the, the problem, is we're looking at how can I instantly get rich or the get rich quick thing instead of how can we build this for long-term success. And to kind of give you an idea, I had someone contact me recently and said, you know, we can bring your podcast to this and that and whatever and blah, 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 and bring it to another level, you know, for a, an exorbitant amount of money a month. And, you know, and then they told me that you could make this amount of money. And it's a huge six-figure amount of income, probably within six months. And I'm going, oh, okay. But the thing in Arte is if you're getting rich quick, it's probably not going to be long-term success. So it's all about building it slowly. And like right now, like I told you, we're at like 35 podcast episodes and it's still new, but I'm just building it, being consistent every single day. And that's really what you have to do. You have to be consistent. If you're chasing the money, Sooner or later, it's just going to bite you anyways. So always look at building for long-term success. That's my opinion, of course, right? I don't know how you you look at it, but.
2: Yeah, we always try to say people first, profit second, because if you focus on people, that would be internally your your team and your customers, clients, the the money's going to follow. It's going to be there. Just, it might be a little bit down the road, but it's going to be there and it's going to be there even, you know, plus, and then some, right? Uh, as opposed to if you if you flipped it around, you just focus so much on the profits, and you kind of shove people to the side. To, that profits might be there first, but you're gonna slowly start to probably lose, and not quite have that same potential you would if you became a more of a you know people first business.
1: Yeah, I think I think it's important to be running a people first business and take care of your employees. And I mean, I can't wait to hire my first employee and, and build them. And I want to get someone who just basically interested in cars, you know, that's it. I want to look for someone who has interest in cars and then teach them how to use it. And, you know, I really want to like, when I went down, so I went down to Vancouver, Washington recently, and we wanted to get a Portland cup. And if you know where Vancouver, Washington is, it's literally on the border of Portland, like of Oregon. Right. So I tend to collect those Starbucks cups, right. That, you know, here we are, whatever cups. Right. And Basically, um, we went into this Starbucks and said, hey, listen, Uh, we drove by a couple of Starbucks in Portland. They looked a little rough. They had like, you know, boards boarded up over the windows. So I didn't really want to stop there. And the lady um, actually took about 15 minutes just chatting with us, telling us about the area, telling us where to go. And and the whole time, all I was thinking was, if I lived in Vancouver, Washington, I would hire this lady. I, like, I would find a job to hire her because she we didn't buy anything in that store, You're Like We didn't buy a coffee. It was like 3 in the afternoon. We didn't buy anything. We, she just spent time chatting with us. Maybe she was the manager. I don't know. But she was just spending so much time helping us out. And then on top of it, she, we had kids. She goes, so your kids want water? And then she just gave us water for free, right? She didn't have to, she could have just said, "Um, you know what, uh, look at our map. There's a bunch of Portland locations, you know, uh, I'm sure one of them, one of the other locations will be able to get you the Portland cups, but she didn't, she said, Hey, you need to go to this location. This location is really good. There's a target right by there. Um, You know, so if you want to do any other shopping, it's like a shopping plaza. And she went into all this detail and I was thinking, man, like that lady there, she's gonna go places. Now maybe she stays at Starbucks her whole life. You never know. She might just really love the culture and love being there. Yeah. But I mean, it's that natural uh, leadership, that natural leadership, or taking that natural incentive to try and do something more than the minimum expectations of your job, right?
2: Yeah, that's. I mean, we always look outside our industry for uh, hiring, and some of my best team members have been not related to fitness whatsoever uh and you're, what you're talking about is exactly why you, you might find people that you could pluck from other businesses and just put right into yours and they do great
1: oh yeah no i totally love that kind of stuff for sure um do you have any final words of wisdom final thoughts or anything you'd like to share with our audience
2: I would just say, you know, at the end of the day, it sounds simple. It sounds very basic, but you just have to outcare the competition. And that's a word that gets tossed around. Of course, I care. Of course, my business cares, but do you really care deep down inside, or do you care more about that wallet than you do the actual person? So I would say try to outcare the competition no matter what industry you're in. If you have that mindset as the leader, uh, your business will grow. And grow even bigger than you thought uh, without that mindset.
1: I think I think that's great advice because early on in my business, you know, I was chasing the money. I was one hundred percent chasing the money. It was.
0: It's hard not
1: to. I can get four hundred dollars here. Okay, let's go and install it, and then, you know, like, hey, I want to give you a demo, and then the customer like, no, I'll figure it out. Okay, see you later. Like, I got their money right. And, and I look at that going, but that's not me. I'm not like, I'm usually a guy like do demo. And I started, what I started noticing is then all those customers would start calling me a month later, two weeks later, I don't know how to do this. I don't do that. And now I'm wasting a half hour of time walking them through something that I should have done on site so that they were comfortable with it. Right. So, I mean, as much as I was chasing the money, I also had lots of times where people would contact me to do stuff that I shouldn't have been doing. It wasn't really part of my focus. It wasn't part of what I wanted to do. And after about a year, I started realizing that I had to start saying no. But then what I also started doing is if someone contacted me, I would say, please contact such and such person. They're going to be able to help you out better than I can. And, you know, like I was telling you off the call, I flukishly contacted somebody else one of my competitors yesterday and told them, Hey, just so you know, I've been sending people there for you for months. I want to make sure this is okay. I actually never called you before. And now this is a person who's now interested in talking to me about being part of my business. (laughs) So total fluke, just by talking to my competitors, but sometimes you have to send people the other way, especially if they're not um, servicing, If, if you, they can service you better. Right. And you might have people that might need a certain training that maybe that's not something that you offer, but enough people come in the door. You might want to look at start offering that. But if you don't, hey, you know what? You might want to try such and such place. Like you said, this might not be the place for you. Right.
2: Yeah. I mean, people come to your business for a solution to their problem. So if you can't solve it and now you help them solve it somewhere else, I mean, even though the money's not going into your pocket in a way it's going to come back to you. Uh, so you're, you're helping them out and they'll appreciate that.
1: Great. Awesome. I appreciate you uh, coming on the show, spending some time with us.
2: Yeah. Thanks for having me. Thanks.
0: Thanks for listening to the Focus on Customer Experience podcast. Podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. For more information or to connect with Ben, check out Benjamin Del Grosso on LinkedIn at Safe Drive Solutions on Instagram or www.safedrivesolutions.ca online. We'll see you next time.